0: On January 17th, 2021, we lost a brother in the faith. He was a loving husband and father. He is survived by his parents, his two siblings, his beautiful wife and children. People who knew him said that he was a man after the things of God. He was a prolific Christian author. Many said that they heard him speak of God and that he was even used to impact their faith life. Some people say that When they were hurt or lost, he pointed them to the Savior, Jesus Christ. In his spare time, he enjoyed watching baseball and playing golf, dreamed of sports cars and traveling with his family. He will never forget the times he had traveling to Japan and Europe with the family. He will be especially missed by his daughters, who often heard and believed that he would give them the world if he could. Out of all the graces in his life, he considers his beautiful bride to be the biggest grace God gave him, apart from saving faith in Jesus. So ends this obituary. Question is, whose obituary was it? It was mine. Now, don't worry, I am not feeling ill, and I have no plan of going to heaven anytime soon, not that I can control that. Um, but this was also an aspirational obituary. There were things that I said in here that I still hope to attain and whether or not God will lead me to write books or travel to Japan or influence many people, that's up to him. But I guess I know what I want to be written. And what about you? Someday people will gather and they will Tell the story of your life, and there will be a room filled with pictures over who you were and what you had done and the things that you had run after. And as we have time together, do you like what that story says right now? Do you like how it will be read if it happens today? And if not, what changes do you need to make? Isn't it clarifying when you look at things back from hindsight? And I got this concept, this this idea that we're headed somewhere and we're writing a story right now as I read a book called The Principle of Path. I really enjoyed this book. It was written by Andy Stanley. And and one of our our first fill-ins for today is this, that direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Now, this is really easy if you've ever been traveling in a car. If you want to go somewhere south, whether it be Florida, whether it be Texas or one of those great places without cold and snow, um, and you find yourself traveling from here and you're passing Oak Brook and and there goes Morton Grove and Gurney Mills and in Wisconsin, it doesn't matter how much you want to be in Florida or Texas, you're going the wrong way. Because direction, not intention, determines destination. Or maybe consider this. I know January is filled with health goals, and um, I used to be part of CrossFit. And uh, let's say that your goal is to compete and win in the CrossFit Games, to do those weird pushups and to do that many kind of cleans, and, um, and and that's your goal. But you haven't joined a box. You don't really care what you eat. And though you have in your mind that you're going to be the winner of the CrossFit Open, unless you actually put yourself on the the destination, the path to do so, it's not going to happen, right? We we know this. Well, as we've gathered today, we are in week two of hindsight. And we're trying to look back and, and learn from the past in order to be more wise in the future. And you know something that I learned about this past year? And maybe you have observed it as well. In my general assumption and observation, COVID and this era didn't really change people. Rather, it exposed who they actually were. Let me say it again. I don't believe COVID actually changed anyone. It only exposed who they actually were and the path that they were on. Let me explain. When it came to handling suffering, When it came to handling trials, COVID exposed coping mechanisms. And you learned as an individual how you process suffering. And whether that was a healthy way to do it or an unhealthy way, it just exposed that path. When we had a chance to choose what we wanted to do with our time, it didn't change your priorities. It exposed what was in your heart. Now, as you get to choose what to do with your life, um, some did pick family time and some did say, I never have to stop working because I can always do it now. I'm at home. And it exposed what went on. But We've gathered in the house of God, and can I give you an observation as a pastor? COVID didn't change people's spiritual lives. It exposed, in general, the path they were on. You know, when it first hit that first month, it seemed that there was a surge of interest in God. But then it normalized, and after a while, it only exposed and even accelerated the path a spiritual person was on. What I saw is that healthy Christians who were regularly in the word and trying to worship all of the time now it accelerated and exposed their life and instead of worshiping once these christians were now worshiping five times look at all the content available exposed the strength that existed if before covid people had a hard time prioritizing being in the word or seeking god it didn't change activity It exposed and accelerated it. It gave people, if they want excuses, even more excuses why not to hear the voice of the Lord. And finally, if people were against God and had reasons why not to like Him, it exposed and accelerated, gave them more reasons why not to like God and be done with Him once and for all. And why is this? Because it was direction. It was direction, not intention. And people were on a path before COVID hit. Now, at this point, um, I do want to welcome everyone once again, and and maybe this is the season where you are going to try to change things. It's a new year. Um, And there's new mercies every morning. And and we have the knowledge of full and free forgiveness in Jesus. So wherever you were before, I don't mean to condemn. I, I mean to welcome and say you do have an opportunity by the Spirit of God to change. But I think it's clarifying to ask the question, where is your life headed? What direction is your life headed? What are you pointed towards? And in our time together, I wanted to give you an example to imitate. So we're going to learn from a man named Paul and what he was about and what he was pursuing and see if we might pick out some things from Paul's own life, his perspective, that could apply to ours and set us in a good direction and on a good path. So our lesson today is from uh, Philippians chapter 3. And something that we believe as a church community is that uh, God is authoritatively speaking through the Bible. We do believe what he says is true, is reliable, and in honor of the reliable word of God, I just invite you to stand as we hear it. So Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that, too, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. These are incredible words that we can consider. Um, If you want to participate today, could you say out loud or to your neighbor, press towards the prize? Press towards the prize? Awesome, awesome. Please be seated. May God work powerfully through these words that we get to discuss. And... um, I don't know what you notice in life, but it's interesting that when it comes to significant things that happen in our lives, we never really arrive. We are more likely in process of arriving. Uh, During January, many people are thinking about how to be healthy. And, And you think of someone who is healthy. Can you ever say, I have arrived and there's nothing more that I need to do? Isn't it wiser to think that this is an ongoing thing that you monitor? It's an ongoing dedication towards exercise and eating healthy that that we never really arrive at being healthy. It's just something that we are in the process of pursuing. I think of those who I know to be wise. Can anyone ever just say, I have arrived, I am wise, this is all I ever need to know? My understanding is that people continue to learn new things. They, they iterate based on their season or how life has changed, and they continue to get counsel in order to be truly wise. I think of ongoing education in so many fields where people are operating. And finally, wealth. Can you ever just say, finally, I'm wealthy, finally, I'm secure, I've arrived, I never have to worry about it again. Well, perhaps if you win Powerball. Bad joke, sorry. But no, it's something that we need to continue to monitor, continue to run after. You need to be wise in how you budget and steward your money. You never really arrive. And I bring this up because when it comes to spiritual things, this is Paul's perspective. As he opens up our discourse on the direction that we're going, he says, not that I've obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. And I don't know about you, but I appreciate that perspective of Paul, the super apostle, saying, I still have work to do. I still have things I'm running after. I am not complete in what it is to follow Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, uh, this is why direction is so important. Monitoring our direction matters because none of us can truly say we've arrived. It isn't wise to think that way when it comes to health and wealth, and it isn't wise to think that way spiritually. We're going in one of two directions, either getting healthier and stronger or not. But but, but then the question becomes, if I want to continue in the process of, of becoming healthier and stronger, how best does that happen? And this is a time where we usually overestimate drastic results. Uh, For example, in January, it it is common for people to say, I want to lose 20 pounds in January. Rather than 20 pounds for the whole year, I'm going to do 20 pounds in January, and that's my goal. And we overestimate the activity that needs to go on in January and underestimate the path that the whole world could take us on. And a great book to, to read about um, uh, how to change our life in significant ways um, is a book called Atomic Habits. Really recommended. it. Uh, they, they get into the premise that, that habits can take you further than uh, drastic extreme things in, in a short term. In fact, what, what he would say is, is this. He, he said, improving by 1% isn't particularly notable. Sometimes it's not even noticeable but it can be far more meaningful, especially in the long run. The premise that he's on is that instead of losing 20 pounds in January, what if just 1% each day and then the next day you improve your health? At the end of the year, looking back at that 1% each day, it might have a more substantial impact on your life than trying to do it all at once. Now, for me, I don't know about you, this is freeing. And it's even freeing when it comes to the Christian faith. I think for many of us, the reason it's very hard to pick a path of goodness towards the Lord is because many people say, I got to do a 180. I got to change everything right now. And so they hear of what Christ wants and tomorrow I'm going to start giving 10% and I'm going to start praying an hour a day and I'm going to start reading five chapters of the Bible and I'm going to start being thankful in my my thanks journal and I'm going to start doing all these things in an extreme way. It's intimidating. But what if, what if you just took the advice to get better by 1%? What if right now you, you set a direction in one of those spiritual modalities, whether it be generosity or prayer or worship or thanks, uh, could God today empower you by the Spirit to change by 1%? The power of the Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in us. I think it is possible to do that. Now, the reason I, I bring this up is because Paul talked about maturity. Maturity. He referenced in verse 15, those of you who are mature. And it just made me think of how people get mature, or how things become mature. I don't know if you've ever planted a tree. My wife and I are still working on a cherry tree. Uh, We had the boar ash disease, and and so we had to get rid of our landscaping. It was like the, the display tree, and now we put a cherry tree. And man, we are still waiting four years later for one cherry. I tell you what, right? And isn't this what we know about trees? That at one time, they're a seedling, and then they grow a little bit. And here's the thing. You can't usually see how the growth happened in a day, right? In a day, it's unrecognizable, kind of like that 1%. But usually in a year, you're like, oh, yeah, a little bit bigger. And then another year goes by. Oh, yeah, got some more leaves. Oh, yeah. And, and hopefully we'll get to a point where it has fruit, right? That, that's what trees do. Same with children, right? Aren't we glad they don't just like skip a decade? It's not like 7 to 17. No, day by day. And the iterations day by day are almost unrecognizable. But then you see relatives and you get together for the holidays and they sure see what was hard for you to notice. Wow, you look different this year. Oh my goodness, that is a young lady. That is an adult. Oh my goodness, right? That's how it happens. Now think of spiritual things. You know what's really interesting is that I don't believe any Christian who was a Christian wakes up one day in general and says, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to be an unbeliever. I think that's a really good choice and then just walks away completely. I'm talking in generalities, but I, I don't really hear that story much. You know what I hear more often? The 1%. The Christian who wakes up and in this area of their life says, ah, I don't really want to do that today. And the Christian who goes a week and says, ah, I don't really want to hear from God. And then one area of life turns into two areas of life. Compromise there, let's compromise here. And then one week goes by, and soon enough, a track record of two weeks. I I can do two weeks away from hearing from God. And slowly over time, what happens is this slow fade away from God where they wake up one day, And they don't care, and their family doesn't care, and they're asking, why don't my kids follow Jesus? It didn't happen overnight. It was incremental. One choice at a time. And then consider spiritual strength. Conversion happens immediately. How great is that? You can believe in Jesus Christ just like that, but to be a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ? To be filled with the Spirit in so many different categories, that will take incremental change. One prayer after another. One decision to turn this category of life over to God one worship experience, one pursuit, one after another after another until you finally see, man, the Spirit's got a hold of you. But it happens over time. Yes, maturity is not microwaved. Maturity is about the path that you are on. But something that I love is Paul's tenacity. Paul is going to let nothing and no one get in his way. Look at the words that he uses. He says, so I press on. I run after. I get after it. To take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. This terminology of forgetting what is behind, it reminded me of like being held back by something. And um, sometimes in training, you actually put weights behind you, and, and that's really good for building muscle, but it's not really good for building progress. If you ever used one of these? Maybe you also use like ankle weights back in the day. Uh, ankle weights while you're playing basketball so that when you take them off, you can jump higher and run faster, right? And, and, and they, they try to build muscle, um, but they don't really help progress. The question I have is, is what is the thing that is behind that could be holding you back? I I was wondering, what what is Paul talking about when he says, forgetting what is behind? What, 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 Paul, do you have to leave behind in order to strain ahead? Well, here I remember his time as a Pharisee, right? Uh, He was standing at the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, taking coats He had a lifetime of rounding up other Christians, throwing them in prison, persecuting them. And if his mind was only on the things he used to do and not who he is today, man, that could be a heavy weight from keeping him on a path towards the Lord. I consider also some of the trials he faced. Paul, at this point, had been uh, stoned, had been beaten, had been put in prison himself. And if he was just thinking about what happened to him in the past, he might have fear about what it is to follow God in the future. Or I think of his present circumstances. He's writing these words in prison. If he just says, well right now there's no way I can strain towards or serve God, that would be a weight that he needs to leave behind, but instead he writes a letter that we're still reading. The question I have for you is to get to your preferred destination, what weight do you have to leave behind? Maybe today's the day where once and for all, you stop the self-talk, labeling yourself for all of the things that you failed at and all of the wrongs that you did. And you cut that weight off and you live more with what God has done for you. Live more in the identity as a forgiven child of God. Your sins are forgiven. What is the weight that you need to leave behind? Maybe there are some who've tried to live for the Lord before, and it was hard. You tried giving to the Lord, and your finances blew up. You tried sharing your faith, and it got awkward. You tried serving, and there were so many obstacles. And and the fear of the past is what's keeping you from digging in once again. Maybe you need to cut that off. Say it's worth it. Maybe there's something going on in the present. And you know if you are today to pivot and direct your steps more towards God, you know it means pivoting away from something you were otherwise pursuing. That to pursue Him to that degree will mean giving that up. But maybe the Lord is calling you, saying, leave that weight behind. One of the joys is the tenacity not of Paul, but of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I tell you about him? See, Jesus is your example, but he is also your Savior. And when it came to forgiving your sins, defeating death and the devil, he would let nothing get in his way. One of my favorite passages about his tenacity comes from Luke. And it says this, at the time, approach for him to be taken up to heaven. Jesus, can you say this word? Jesus, resolu- he was determined. He knew it was going to happen in Jerusalem, and he's putting his eyes there. He's letting nothing stand in the way. Yes, he's going to be beaten and crucified. He's going to die, but he's going to rise. And why? So that you can cut the weight. So that you can cut the weight of guilt and shame. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you could cut the weight, the dread of death. Don't you know that all who are in him will rise? We have no fear of death. That is but the finish line for all who believe. So that you could cut the the weight of the past. Knowing that he's making all things new. New mercies today available, power available, so that regardless of what your past was, today can be a day where a one percent difference can make a change in your life or your family's life. Yes, He resolutely set out so that you and I could cut the weight and finally be free of our burden. Hmm There's no one like Jesus. There's nothing better. So now it's time to pick your destination. Are you ready? And what I wanted to ask is this Is what you're going to run after worth running after? As you now consider what path you're on, the question is is it worth that investment? I consider that for those who choose a career path. And that's a huge decision, right? Because what goes into choosing a career path is the time and the money and the years of education to try to get to that point. And, and you need to ask the question, is that worth it, young, young man, young, young woman? When it comes to hobbies, and this is a middle thing, right? This is an area of freedom. There's a significant time that you can invest in cars, in houses, in boats, in sports. And before you continue on that path or pick that path, the question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? You know, this is a conversation that's running in my mind for my wife and I. Um, We are looking at, uh, is it worth updating your house? Gray and white has taken over, yeah? And we still have the red walls that smack of 10 years ago. But we know before we actually spend the money and the sweat equity and the time of trying to keep things up to date, we need to ask the question, is that worth it? (laughs) I agree. Is it worth it? Now, in the lesson, Paul tells us very clearly some things that are not worth it. And I don't know if these struck you at all as being relevant but, but he said, you know it's not worth it? To live as an enemy of the cross of Christ. You know why? Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Uh, these things are so relevant. Their God is their stomach. It reminds me of those who pursue comfort over all things. I, I, I want to set my path on whatever is comfortable for me. I, I don't care what it means. I just want to be at ease. Their glory is in their shame. I don't know if this has ever been true of you or your friends or people that you see online and things that that God would say, don't go there, don't do that. People are like, I did that. I went there. Right? That's a society. And the overarching principle, why why they're set on a, a bad destination, their mind is only on earthly things. Isn't that what Jesus said to Peter? Peter, you have in mind the things of men. Right? And so better better is to understand who you want to be like. Better is to pick a godly role model. Now, what's interesting is that we live in the age of Influencers, And this is a relatively new term. It, it is someone who has so much um, popularity that they can affect your buying habits and how you do life and conduct. And And, and when you look at uh, Instagram and influencers, um, and I have two daughters, they're influencers that I don't want them influencing my daughter. So some of the top influencers are Ariana Grande and uh, Billie Eilish. Um, and um, and God love her, but she needs Jesus. Um and, and a lot of different um, influencers. And is that really what we want to imitate? What, what's popular in this world? Is that what you want for your kids? And is that what you want for your own life? And so Paul is saying, you know what? Better than being influenced by that is to follow my examples. As you have had us as a model. And keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He's saying if you found a godly influence, someone who's doing life that you kind of respect and appreciate, do that. You know, something I appreciate in our men's group. Our men's group, um, they've just picked off Exodus 90 and and they're trying to um, give things up to live a more simple life. They're they're trying to deny themselves to put God first. It's great as they look at the Bible and influences. It is great, even if you don't have someone in your life, um, to think of the, the biblical examples of a Joseph who fled from immorality, of a Job who praised God during suffering, of the disciples who are willing to sacrifice life and limb in order to pursue Jesus through their lives, no matter the cost. So the question is, who are you imitating? And the advice is, pick carefully who you want to imitate. For some of you, maybe it means that you call up someone you've always admired their faith and you have a conversation. Maybe there is someone who is really winning in this category of life, whether it be generosity or raising the kids or uh, following the Lord, and, and you, you follow them and you learn from them. Pick carefully who you choose to imitate. Because someday, there'll be a room filled of pictures of everything that you pursued. And someday, people will be talking about you and the story of your life, the person you were and the things that you ran after. And you know what I want that story to say? You won the prize. You kept your eyes on Jesus. Jesus. And now you are with him. That is the best thing that could be said at a moment like that. May it be so. And let me pray for you. So, Heavenly Father, direct my steps each day of my life. Let the path that I am on please you. Let it be a benefit to those around me. And let it lead me to see you face to face. Thank you, Jesus, for releasing the weight of my sin and shame so that today can be a new day. You are the God who makes all things new. So guide me and direct me on my way. In Jesus' name, amen.